This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot to talk about today, everybody. Marcus Fuller is going to join me in a little bit. If you've been wondering who exactly has left on the Gophers men's basketball team, who's been added and who has been subtracted in this wild, wild uh, last couple months since Ben Johnson was hired and a lot of people departed via the transfer portal. Well, Marcus will help us sort all of that out and then some 10 new players in, 12 players out, something like that. Marcus has the inside scoop on all those guys, what they might bring to the table, and what is left to come in recruiting. Also got some thoughts on Ben Simmons and uh, how the Wolves could construct a possible trade for him and should they want him. A lot of that dependent on what happens Tuesday night in the lottery drawing. But first, what did I miss? Well, I stayed up for it. I don't know if everybody else did. A few of you probably did because I saw, saw you on Twitter. If you didn't stay up, I don't blame you. You would have missed the longest game in Major League Baseball this season. Twins, however, prevail 7-5 in extra innings over the Reds and the unlikeliest of heroes. We've done a fair amount of ripping on this podcast of uh, of Miguel Sano and Matt Shoemaker at various points. Um, you know, not even so much just, you know, harsh language, just harsh statistics. Both guys is having really poor seasons. Shoemaker falling out of the rotation after, you know, having a, an ERA ballooning well past six. Miguel Sano hitting below 200, you know, have had had a decent little stretch where he, you know, he hit a couple home runs that won some games for the Twins, but by and large has not been a guy you could count on. Well, both of those guys come through in the clutch for the Twins in extra innings. If you missed it, Miguel Sano entered the game as a pinch runner. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again in his career, um, but he did that. He That didn't end up you know, bearing fruit. The Twins didn't end up scoring. Game goes to extra innings. Miguel Sano comes up in a key spot because it's 5-3. Cincinnati's taken a 5-3 lead already in the 10th off of Jorge Alcala. Um, Luis Arias starts the inning with a double. Free runner scores. It's 5-4. Miguel Sano up with the runner on second and nobody out. You're thinking, coming in cold to this game, what is he going to bring to the table? Miguel Sano having a really poor season, having a lot of poor at-bats, but that at-bat was different. He he fouled off a few pitches. He looked like he had a plan, and he, he got a pitch he could handle, hit a sharp line drive to left, you know, through the hole in left field, advanced Arias to third where he could score, uh, a little bit later on Trevor Larnick's uh, sacrifice fly. So 5-5. That score continues. M- Matt Shoemaker comes into the game to pitch the 10th. Twitter is apoplectic. They're like, what is going on here? That This can't be happening. Um, we-, we can't have Matt Shoemaker in this game. Actually comes in to pitch the 11th, my mistake. Comes in to pitch the 11th inning of, of that game and pitches a clean inning. And you're thinking, okay, well, that, that can't possibly happen again. Well, the Twins don't score. He has to do it again, and he does it again. Two scoreless innings in extra innings is very difficult with that free runner starting on second base. But Matt Shoemaker did that, got the Twins to the bottom of the 12th, still tied 5-5. Sano comes up again, runner on third, one out. Again, has a good plan, doesn't chase, gets the count in his favor, gets a pitch he can handle, launches a home run to left, walk off 7 Five. Now, we've talked a lot on, on this podcast about moments, right? About, you know, finding some joy within the season. This is five wins in a row now for the Twins. they got to play again about 12 hours after they after they play this game. Noon start on, a, on, on Tuesday. But then, you know, they get almost like a 
48-hour break while at home. Their next game isn't until Thursday against Cleveland. That game starts a stretch of 25 in a row against the division, 10 of those against the White Sox, and that'll take them all the way up almost to the trade deadline. So there, right there, is your chance. That's your gasp. That's your it's your opportunity to say, we're still in this thing somehow, some way. If you can pile another win on Tuesday, then that's six in a row going into a four-game series with Cleveland. Then you got a whole bunch with Chicago. You got a bunch with Detroit in there too. Some winnable games, but the Chicago one's really going to tell a story. You're still way back in that you know double-digit deficit in that race. If you can make up some ground in those ten games, maybe just maybe something's possible. But really, that's going to define whether this season is going to get kind of interesting or whether it's going to be a fire sale at the end of the year. But to get there, they have to win some games along the way. They've done that lately. Two unlikely heroes, Miguel Sano and Matt Shoemaker, carrying the load on Monday night. And they're going to need more of that, frankly, from guys like that with the terrible news that Byron Buxton three games back from his injury broken left hand after getting hit by a pitch in Monday night's game no timetable exactly for how long that will take but you can imagine he'll be out for a while at least just terrible luck for Byron Buxton and the twins this season but that said you know what it's it's you know more guys have to step up just like Miguel Sano and Matt Shoemaker did in this game Monday Enjoy your money your way when you switch to Royal Credit Union. You can pay friends and family for free, deposit checks on the go, and even get alerts about your accounts sent in real time. Stop in and open your account today or get started at rcu.org slash your way. Insured by NCUA. Happy to be joined today by Marcus Fuller. Does a great job covering college basketball for the Star Tribune. (laughs) Marcus, you had um, something in Sunday's paper that really kind of brought into definition just how different the Gophers men's basketball roster is going to be. And, you know, we kind of had this, you know, the flurry of almost daily movement of players in and out with the transfer portal, 12 players off of last year's roster, 10 players coming in. Um, But having that all in one place felt very helpful to me. And so I wanted to have you on today to you know kind of give a a little bit more of a breakdown of how do these new players fit in what are they missing with some of the guys that transferred things like that so you know first off hope you're having a good summer and then the you know recruiting is is in full swing so thanks for joining today yeah no problem hope you had a happy father's day yeah you too thanks marcus uh i know we're both uh both in full, uh, full dad, uh, full dad mode. Uh, your piece. Let's start with some of the the new guys. We're, we're sure. less familiar with them, even though you know these are the these are the ones you know coming in. You know, you kind of basically is framed as get to know them. It's basically an all new team almost. So, you know, Isaiah Enan, the one returning player, but you know maybe you know from your perspective, you have ten of them listed here. Is there a way to, you know, kind of classify them in terms of, you know, who, who of these guys do you deem, you know, players that might play more prominent roles, um, you know, this, this upcoming season, maybe we can start with some of those guys. Yeah. Could you tell I was stalling a little bit trying to talk about father's day so that I, I, uh, I can <laughs> kind of do a little bit more research on these guys. <laughs> Any, every but, little bit of research helps, but you, you've, yeah. done, you've done some on these guys already. So, who, well, who yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when each of these guys, uh, you know, when they committed, you know, we did stories on them and then they ended up signing during the spring and summer, early summer. Uh, so, you know, we know their background a little bit. Um, the first recruit to join um, Ben Johnson's, you know, new team 
uh, with Jamison Battle, uh, Dale Saul kid. You know, I think he's the one people are most familiar with because uh, you know he was a great great player. Dale Saul um, wasn't recruited by the Gophers out of high school uh, too hard. Ben Johnson actually uh, saw him. You know, we had Jamison on our on, on our podcast, right? right. Uh, talk about how Ben Johnson was the first high major assistant to see him in an open gym when he was a sophomore at uh, Benilde St. Margaret, I believe. And he transferred to Dale Sal and finished his career there. Never played for Dave Thorson, who's a gopher assistant now, former Dale Sal coach. Uh, but there is that Dale Sal connection, you know, with the gophers with Ben Johnson and Dave Thorson. So I think he's the most player that we're familiar with. Um, averaged 17 points a game when he was a sophomore um, you know, at George Washington last year, high level three point shooter. He actually set the school season, single season record for three pointers made and, and attempted as a freshman a couple of years ago. So I think he's the, the recruit or the incoming player that, um, you know, people know the most and actually maybe would, uh, would be the highest, uh, expectations, uh, for battle coming in. And the, 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 the part that excites Gopher fans is that, he, you know, he gets an extra year, so he's, he's only going to be a sophomore. So you could potentially have him for a few more years and, um, you know, continue to see him grow. I mean, he's six foot seven, has a great size for the Big Ten um, at, on the perimeter. And, you know, the, the lack of depth in, in the front court in this roster, you know, you could see him playing a small ball uh, four-man role, maybe even some center sometimes because um, he's a bigger kid at 230 strong. So, I'd like to see him, you know, play, you know, multiple positions. I think Ben would like to see him play multiple positions. But moving forward, you know, if you look at the rest of the roster, if I'm just going by, you know, when they committed to the Gophers, you know, shortly after Jamison committed uh, in April, uh, you saw Luke uh, Lowy and EJ Stevens commit on the same day. Uh, they're two grad transfer guards from William and & Mary and Lafayette, respectively. And, you know, they, they had a lot of experience. Um, Luke Lowy had 80 starts in three seasons. Um, in fact, he, he started every game in the last few years since the sophomore year. And EJ Stevens really improved every year since he's been here. Um, from seven points a game. I'm sorry, since, since he was at Lafayette, he improved every year. He improved from his sophomore year, averaging seven points a game to last season. Uh, he averaged 16 points a game. Um, at Lafayette. And um, I think Luke Lowy has a chance to play some point guard for this team. It's a role that obviously that's open with uh, Marcus Carr leaving for the NBA draft and not having Mashburn back, Jamal Mashburn Jr. Um, another kid, and I'm going to skip here as far as uh, the order of commitments, but Peyton Willis is another player that Gopher fans would be familiar with. He played here a couple years ago. Very familiar with uh, his past as far as his relationship with Eric Curry, a former big man who had a lot of injury issues, but he's going to be back this year as a grad assistant. And Peyton Willis and uh, Luke Lowy, I think you'll see him play a lot of point guard and fill that role. So, you know, um, I'll go through a, a few of these other guys, but, you know, I think that the point guard role and obviously Jamison Battle being a, a, a ready-made shooter um, and, and a high-level score, uh, I think those three guys are, are three of the most important pickups for Ben Johnson. And, um, you know, like I said, we had Jamison on, on the, the podcast, and, and he was a really good kid, and he knows what the expectations are for 
for Minnesota talent, right? And he's coming in here right. as a Minnesota kid, and he knows, you know, he knows what, what it's like to have to play for uh, in front of uh, Gopher fans and in front of Minnesota fans. In just looking at the list, I mean, there's there's intriguing names on it, but not a lot of guys that are coming from you know high major, even not a lot of necessarily mid major. How, how do you think that translates? You know, someone like you said, like a you know like a like a Luke Lowy coming from you know coming from William and Mary or EJ Stevens from Lafayette. I mean, those are you know those are schools that by and large are are coming from you know one bid conferences probably in a lot of cases. Like, how do you how do you try to gauge someone who has excelled in that conference and, you know, has some ages, you know, maybe both of those guys are seniors, so they've got some experience too. How do you think that translates to, you know, the big 10 and how do you think that'll work out? You know, I think the guard position is one where um, you can definitely expect, um, you know, there, there'd be a, a lesser transition than a, than a post player and Brandon Johnson uh, last year, as a senior, and he, he was a high-level, productive player at Western Michigan. It took him toward the end of the season to really, you know, get his feet wet and kind of feel comfortable uh, with the size, strength, and, and physicality of the Big Ten. And he ended up being a pretty productive player. Um, the same with Liam Robbins. You know, earlier in the season, um, you know, he was dealing with an injury, but and so was Brandon Johnson. But I think both of those guys, you know, it took them a while to get used to a high level of physicality, size. And even really defensively having to, 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 to defend some of the posts in the Big Ten, which are some of the best in the country. I think for the guards, it might, like I said, it might be easier transition. Um, obviously the speed and athleticism is different, but these two guys, uh, actually three guys, if you include Peyton Willis in that mix, um, and Sean Sutherland is a transfer from New Hampshire. Uh, all four of these guys are bigger guards. You know, Luke Lowey is 6'4. Uh, EJ Stevens, 6'4, Sean Sutherland is 6'5, and uh, Peyton Willis is 6'4, almost 6'5. So all these guys are bigger guards. Um, again, you talked about them being seniors. So as far as their bodies, um, you know, they're, they're, they're college ready, Big Ten, you know, ready. Uh, Peyton Willis already played in the Big Ten. One of his best games as a gopher two years ago was against Wisconsin, had 20 points, and they beat Wisconsin at home. So I think all these guys, Guard wise, I think they'll be able to uh, make a transition a little bit easier than the front court players will. I think the the, the fact that uh, a lot of them have uh, scored at a high level uh, at their you know respective schools, you know that bodes well uh, shooting the ball. Um, you know I think this team really needs some outside shooting. You know I think where well they'll have a, a little trouble is on the defensive side, and you know obviously last year, um, you know. The Gophers, when they were struggling to shoot, they had to hang their hat on defense. You know, whether it was Liam Robbins shot blocking or Gabe Kalsher uh, or other guys stepping in and, and helping them defend. So I think defensively, um, you know, this team cannot compete until those guards, um, you know, figure out how to defend at the high major level. I think they're going to be able to shoot the ball that translates um, whether it's low division one, mid major or high major. I think they'll be able to shoot the ball, but can they defend? You know, can they get to the basket and, and finish over taller, uh, you know, more athletic players? Um, so again, I, I mentioned a guy we, we didn't, you know, talk about in the opening, Sean Sutherland. He actually yep. is not, um, completely cleared, uh, to start off summer practice. Um, he missed all of last season with a torn labrum injury. And, uh, 
you know, the good thing is he's he's doing a lot now. He's just not – they're trying to keep it safe with him for the summer, uh, at least the early part of the summer. And um, But he's a player that can play a lot of, a lot of positions too, multiple positions. Uh, he played point guard some in New Hampshire. Um, he was also their best rebounder at six foot five. Um, he led the uh, American East Conference in double doubles and averaged nearly nine rebounds two seasons ago before he got mm-hmm. hurt. So I think that the perimeter is definitely where the strength of this team is. Um, but the, the, the tough part is they don't really have a true point guard. Um, and when I say true point guard, you know, a lot of people are like, well, <laughs> this day and age, is there really right. any true point guards? Most of them are scoring point guards. Well, I think what I'm talking about is more primary ball handlers. Right. You know, a lot of these guys have played off the ball for most of their career. Um, and I think that, you know, you're going to need one of these guys to, to bring the ball up under pressure and, and just kind of put the team in their offense. And I think Peyton Willis at least has that experience um, at a high major level playing at Vanderbilt and the Gophers previously. And so you'll probably see him do a lot of that early on. You got one incoming freshman here, Trayton Thompson, center from uh, prep school in Indiana. A couple other guys you mentioned here, uh, one of them a freshman guard coming in from Indian River State College. And then I think the only other player we didn't mention was a Parker Fox who's injured. We don't know if we'll see him this year. And Charlie Daniels coming from Stephen F. Austin could play you know, maybe some some center, some forward. But um, any of those guys, maybe the, the incoming uh, the incoming guy, Trayton Thompson, what should we expect from him this year? Well, Trayton's their only true center on the roster. And when I say true center, I mean because of his height right. at 6'11". Um, Trayton's actually more of a, a natural power forward. Um, sure. Ben Johnson talked about in the first week of practice that he was one of their best shooters, actually, in workouts at 6'11". And that's really where Trayton right now um, you know, he loves to play facing the basket, um, in AAU last year, uh, for D1 Minnesota. Uh, he, he was a high level shooter and really good AAU competition, um, shot blocker. You know, at prep school was where he really, uh, had to play against some of the best competition in the country. I mean, you'll see guys that he played against, um, playing for some of the best, uh, schools in the country and then also, um, some of them, you know, future NBA players. So, you know, he was tested and I think he knows what it's like to, to battle against uh, the best. Um, I think once he puts on some weight, you're going to see him contribute quite a bit more in the paint. Um, you know, he, he, he talked about wanting to gain about 20 pounds, um, before he starts his freshman year. Um, even that will still put him on the lighter end, having a, uh, play inside in, in, in the Big Ten. And that's why they need Charlie Daniels. He's a transfer from, um, I'm sorry, some of these guys, they're all from all over the place, but Charlie Daniels from Stephen F. Austin. Um, and, uh, you know, so he's actually not uh, with the team yet. Uh, he's finishing up some summer classes uh, to graduate so that he'll, he'll get here uh, at some point in the summer. But he's 6'9", 230, and he's, this will be his fifth year playing in college. He also went to the same junior college as uh, – Abdullah Thiem, and he goes by Lay Thiem. And uh, Lay was actually a, a qualifier at a high school to play uh, Division One, but didn't really get many looks. So he went to junior college for a year, um, came off the bench because they had some veterans. And, um, you know, he really lit it up at the end of the year. He was averaging nearly 20 points a game, uh, led them to, I believe, the Final Four in the junior college national tournament. Um, 
one game he had uh, 30 piece and seven threes and uh-huh. um you know he was a you know he was a, a a productive player in high school um played at a high level um you know a lot of these kids slipped through the cracks i mean florida you know is a heavily recruited uh, state for football and um you know i think that because of his size um you know he's 62 and and kind of then you know slipped through the cracks there i think uh you know but i think he had quite a few division one offers in junior college and you know ben johnson and his staff saw a diamond in the rough he's more athletic than i expected to see i, I saw some clips of him in workouts last last week and you know he, he's probably their most athletic guard um, that they have and that's a lot to say as a freshman and you know he because of the pandemic and the ncaa's new rules this year he gets a year back so right you know, he'll be a freshman and um, it'll be interesting to see how, how they develop him and Trayton Thompson this year because, you know, they, they don't really need that much help at the guard position. But, you know, Thompson is – Trayton's going to have to play. Um, you know, they're recruiting-wise, they're trying to still fill that front court void um, with a starting center. Um, and and they'll, they'll find someone at some point here. But, um, you know, Trayton's still going to have to play quite a bit. You know, that said, a lot of the, the guys who left, you know, went to maybe more established programs or, you know, higher major, mid-major programs than the ones that are coming in. You're talking about, you know, Gabe Kalsher going to going to Iowa State, Trey Williams going to Oregon State, you know, Marcus Carr probably could have gone anywhere, but he wanted to be, you know, test the test the waters and, and go pro. You know, Liam Robbins at Vanderbilt, Booth Gotch, Utah, Brandon Johnson, DePaul. I mean, those are those are some guys that, you know, obviously other programs felt pretty good about, I guess, a, who do you, who would you say is the, is the biggest departure out of that group and, and B, were there any surprises to you, if not Ben Johnson, who I saw quoted in your story saying, you know, he wasn't really necessarily surprised that this happened this year. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we talked about the story and, you know, I appreciate Ben being open and honest about it, but when you look at the roster, you know, I t- and I talked to uh, athletic director Mark Coyle about this before he hired Ben Johnson. After he fired Patino, I asked him, you know, this is a roster that uh, at that one point in the season was a top 25 team. And they had beaten five ranked opponents, including, you know, Michigan and Ohio State and Iowa, you know, all tournament teams. And so if you look at this the roster coming back, uh, you have one player left from that team that really didn't play much. You know, and so if you look at it, you mentioned the guys. Um, so last year, Liam Robbins and Gabe Kalsha were hurt for the last seven games, and that's when they really collapsed. But if you look at the starting lineup when they were beating ranked opponents, you know, you had Marcus Carr, you had Gabe Kalsha, you had Brandon Johnson and Liam Robbins. So, you know, you're, that's four starters, you know, that, that we're talking about of a top 25 sure. team. And I think Liam Robbins, if you look at those uh, high-level wins, whether it's Michigan, um, you know, whether it was Iowa, Michigan State, I mean, he was the most consistent player. I mean, Marcus Carr obviously was all Big Ten and All American candidate at one point, but Liam Robbins is the, is the player that took this team over the top. You know, he's the one that had to guard uh, the big men um, that were some of the best in the country. You know, he was the one that you know really um, was the only other offense consistently other than Marcus Carr, and so I think Robbins you know, was the most likely to come back and play. Well, actually, obviously, he's going to be back in college and playing. You know, Marcus um, really had his one foot out the door the year before 
and because of the summer, you know, really wiped out a lot of the NBA borderline draft picks. Um, you know, he came back to school. And so I think that Marcus was out the door, whether Patino or Ben Johnson was the head coach. Um, you know, and I think Liam Robbins had a chance to stay with the Gophers um, if Ed Conroy was on staff, his uncle. But, you know, as Ben Johnson said in my story, you know, he's got to look long term. It's not that Ed wasn't a good coach. You know, he just then had his idea about, you know, player or I'm sorry, members of his staff that he knew better moving forward, you know, in the, in the long term. And so I think Robbins was a huge loss, not only because he was so effective last year, also because they don't have a starting center right now. And, and you know, it's the start of summer workouts. Um, there's really not a lot to choose from, you know, uh, but there's a couple out there that, you know, they've been talking to for a while. You know, I've, I've written about North Carolina transfer Sterling Manley, who's looks the part at seven feet, 250 pounds, seven, four wingspan. Um, he's been in some pre-draft combines and done really well. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that play four years in college at a high level and um, don't get the looks that he's getting right now from overseas teams and potentially uh, NBA G League. And so he has a decision to make soon on whether he's going to come back to school. You know, the, the part with him is that he most of his career was injured. Uh, tough knee injury that he had, missed one season, and last year only played three games. You know, he's healthy now. And uh, so he has to think about, okay, as a healthy player and I'm playing at high level, you know, should I take the jump to the professional level or should I come back to college and prove uh, and be the player that everybody thought I could be? If he comes back to college, I do think he's a gopher. Uh, but again, he's done well in these pre-draft combines and he has a decision to make. Uh, there's other big men out there. Stefan Mitchell's one, a Shakopee native that uh, went to Boston College and was the starter there. Uh, really, really good rebounder. Has expanded his game a little bit. He's also uh, an early ent entry into the NBA draft, uh, but I believe he's going back to school. Uh, July 7th is the date that uh, all of these early entries, including Marcus Carr, will have to decide if they're going to stay in the NBA draft or go back to college. And uh, I think by then we'll know, you know, about some of these big men the Gophers are after. And we'll also probably figure out if they can't get one of these guys, um, they'll, they'll find someone else. Good stuff, Mark. It should be an interesting year. I mean, just so many new faces. I mean, interesting around college basketball, just the portal. We've talked about this on a couple of different podcasts, just changing everything that they're up to right now. Um, and maybe we can just kind of finish the idea of, you know, they did some in-person recruiting. They've been doing face-to-face. -face. We talked about that the last time you were on, but any, any updates there, anybody that they kind of have their eye on for, you know, non-portal traditional recruiting, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Is that still happening? You know, I guess uh, it is. It seems yeah. like it. A lot of coaches I talked to said, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going on the road this year. I'm just going to sit wow. at home and, and look at the transfer portal. But no, I, I think that it's exciting, right? Um, to get back to normal recruiting for them. Uh, on uh, last weekend, there was a, a showcase in town, um, that the Minnesota Basketball Association put together and there's, it was pretty much who's who of Minnesota talent. Uh, Ben Johnson and his staff were there, Shaka Smart from Marquette now and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of head coaches were in town to watch these, uh, Minnesota players and, uh, out of the camp, um, Pharrell Payne from, uh, Cottage Grove Park ended up getting a Gophers offer. He's a six, nine kid, uh, a 2022 kid. So he'll be making a decision here in the fall, um, to play, uh, 
you know, and, and it's, it's crazy. Just, you know, he's the sixth player to, uh, to get a gopher offer from Ben Johnson. And, um, you know, I think you'll continue to see more, uh, high school players out of this 2022 class potentially get offers. Um, there's a lot of high major talent in that class of 2022. And it's a critical class for Ben Johnson. He needs to get uh, maybe a couple of these players to start off the local recruiting because he's really, really talked about how important that is coming in. Good stuff, Marcus. We'll do this again because I'm sure this is going to be an eventful summer for you and Ben Johnson and the Gophers. Thanks so much for joining Daily Delivery today. And you promise next time we talk, we'll have a recruit, not just targets, right? Oh, I can't promise that, but maybe Ben Johnson, maybe I'll talk to him and his staff and they'll, they'll guarantee that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Marcus. Take care. Let's end with the cooler, bit of an extended cooler today, talking Timberwolves and Ben Simmons. A couple points because I wrote about this on Monday. Ben Simmons' awful playoff uh, series against Atlanta made everybody think maybe he's going to get traded. He certainly could be. Timberwolves should be in that mix, I think. Some of you say we don't want Ben Simmons after what we just saw you say that you're foolish that's crazy you want ben simmons on your team even if he's limited even if the free throws aren't great but you can win with a ben simmons with everything else he brings to the table you want that on your team you want that defense you want that playmaking he is a he is a wrecking ball attacking the rim when he's going well he will lead you to the playoffs no doubt about it that said then it's a matter of what are you going to give up to get him if you're really going to get serious. And those of you who are saying Malik Beasley, uh, that's not going to be nearly enough. A, a deal where he's the key asset, not even close to getting a deal done. So we're talking about either Malik Beasley and another young asset. We're talking about D'Angelo Russell, perhaps, and another asset. We're talking maybe, just maybe, about that top three protected pick. And that's the one that's really in question because there's only a 27.6% chance they're going to keep that pick in the lottery drawing Tuesday night. Now, if they do, that becomes a real asset. That becomes a chip if you really want to get into the Ben Simmons sweepstakes. If you want to you know, pair that with some other stuff, you want to pair that with D'Angelo Russell, you want to pair that with Malik Beasley, maybe that gets you there with Beasley and some other you know, some other salary, but you're not getting into the conversation without giving something up because this is a player people are talking about hey is it is a cj mccollum that'd be a fair swap cj mccollum's a very good player uh that that's a guy that uh, that that's a baseline for where his value might be you know a, a cj mccollum robert covington deal you've seen that floated around wolves are going to have to come up big if that's what they want to do but big picture he absolutely is someone you want on your team and if you decide you're going to go all in for him it's going to have to be a pretty good package to get him onto the Timberwolves, not some kind of half-hearted deal where you're trying to get rid of some of the guys that you don't want on this team. That's not how this works. That's not who Ben Simmons is. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. Hope you enjoyed Marcus Fuller's segment. I should have a segment uh, coming up on Wednesday with uh, a bunch of uh, Bally Sports North uh, frustrated customers, guys who can't get that channel right now or aren't getting that channel right now. What do they see as the future of their viewership? That could change if the Wolves get that the top three pick, we might have to go all Wolves. You never know. We'll have to see what the future holds. But thanks for joining me today on Daily Delivery. We'll catch you again one way or the other on Wednesday. Wednesday.